Hello everyone. Before we start today's show, I'd just like to take a moment and tell you about Audible. Audible is an Amazon company, and it offers the world's largest selection of digital audiobooks and spoken word content. With Audible, customers can listen anytime, anywhere, to professionally narrated audiobooks across a wide range of genres. Just in time for the fall Halloween season, download your favorite scary good read or check out something new. When you download the Audible app on your iOS or Android device, you'll never have to worry about losing your place again. That's right, you can pick up right where you left off. Already have an Amazon Prime account? We'll take advantage of this offer and you'll get two free audiobooks on Audible. Don't stick around after the free trial? No problem. You'll get to keep the audiobooks you downloaded for free. And if you do decide to stay around, plans start at just $7.95 a month. Head on over to www.thesouthernspectorpodcast.com. Click on Special Offers and take advantage of this offer today with Audible. Now, on to the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the official kickoff of October. This is the Southern Spectre Podcast, and as always, I'm your host, Isaiah, and thanks for listening. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is officially October. Can't wait. Couldn't wait. Love it. So, I'm here, and I figured, you know what? I'd really be honest with you, I wasn't planning on doing a podcast this week. I thought about taking a week off. Um, And like I said, last time, maybe about doing one every other week. But uh, Spooky Mood got a hold of me, and here we are. So I figured we'd dive on back into some of the legends and tales uh, that I had discovered uh, from North Carolina. And so I kind of built this one based upon the last one. So uh, I think it's a good show. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, But we're going to kick some things off. And to help you guys get in the mood, I actually have compiled an official Southern Spectre's Top 5 Movies to get you in the Halloween spirit. Now, these are just some, uh, these were kind of off the cuff for me. You know, I kind of compiled them kind of fast, but these are some of my favorite ones. And it is fall. I have a little dab of a little dram of a bourbon here. Uh, some George Dickel rye whiskey, and I have me a cigar. So, I thought I'd indulge a little bit for this one. So, if you guys have seen these movies, great, grand, wonderful. If not, then I I strongly suggest to go check them out. These are ones that's going to get you in that Halloween spirit, that the the spooky vibe, so to speak. Um, some of these I would not even consider absolute. They're not terrifying. They're not to me. They're not scary. Um, these are ones that bring about a bit of a nostalgia uh, for me, and uh, I hope it does the same for you guys. Um, the starting with number five. Is called The Gift. And there was a movie come out in 2015 called The Gift. And this is not that movie. (laughs) 
this movie was actually filmed in 2000. Um, back in 2000, it is described as an American supernatural thriller. It was filmed uh, and directed by uh, Sam Raimi, uh, who, if you know your horror stuff, you know, Evil Dead, uh, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, all that good stuff. So you got Sam Raimi on board here as directing, and it was written by Billy Bob Thornton. And also Tom Epperson. Not sure who that guy is. But uh, it was supposedly based on the alleged psychic uh, experiences of Thornton's mother. The film centers on Annie, who is played by Kate Blanchett, uh, becoming involved in a murder case as a result of acquiring knowledge about the crime through extrasensory perception, ESP. The cast also includes Keanu Reeves, Giovanni Ribisi, Hilary Swank, Katie Holmes, and Greg Kinnear. If you've never seen that one, that is a highly, high, I highly recommend that one. That is a, I love that movie. Not to mention the fact that it was actually filmed around Savannah. So if you look and know what you're looking for, you'll find a lot of cool stuff in there. Uh, next up at number four, a more recent film that come out uh, back in 2011. Uh, the Cabin in the Woods. Uh, I think this is a great take on uh, the different genres of uh, film, uh, especially horror genres and stuff like that. Kind of takes you down that path and kind of see what, the what would happen if you mixed a bunch of horror movies together. That's the way I kind of look at it. Um, there's really no way to give any kind of synopsis on this. And the short of it is that uh, there's a group of college kids. And they all head out into the woods to a cabin in the woods. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you. So definitely go check that out. Number three, I'm taking it back old school again. Uh, this was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, it came out in 1986 and it's the title is Invaders from Mars. Um, it is an American science fiction horror film directed by Toby Hooper from a screenplay by Dan, Dan O'Bannon and Don Jacoby. It is a remake of the 1953 film of the same name, and it is a reworking of that film screenplay by Richard Blake from an original story by John Tucker Battle. I have never actually seen the original, but I have seen this one here, and I remember as a kid, this one, you know, you know, as a kid, when you went to, when you went to school and you always had that one teacher and or the kids would, you know, swear up and down, your teacher's an alien. Well, this plays off of that uh, a little bit. So, if you like stuff like that, go check it out. I'm not a huge science fiction fan, but uh, this one, this one I thought played pretty well. Number two, Pumpkinhead. Uh, Pumpkinhead was a 1988 horror film that actually uh, was the directorial debut of special effects artist Stan Winston. Winston. And like I said, once again, if you know your horror stuff, you know who Stan Winston is. He he does a lot of uh, special effects and stuff for horror movies. So uh, definitely, this is a good one. This is a a good revenge, best served, cold type movie. You know, and it, it really plays off of that. And uh, I remember this movie got me big time as a kid. And uh, as a kid, seeing something like that on the, on the screen and thinking that something like this creature could be lurking outside your window at night, it gave me the chills. But this is definitely a pretty decent movie. Um, takes place, I, I, want, I don't know exactly where the movie takes place. I'm not even sure if it mentions it. 
However, it does seem to be like uh, Appalachia, Appalachian uh, region. So go check that out if you haven't seen it already. I think there's some sequels to it as well. But I do have a, a soft spot for the original. It for you know 1980, 1988. This was this was um, top-notch special effects. And number one. And I just recently got into this one, but uh, this is—I only just recently saw this a couple of years ago. But this has been one of my favorite go-to horror movies: Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Guys, um, if you—this is one of those ones that you have seen, probably sitting somewhere on a Walmart shelf, and you just probably glanced over it. If you did you have fooled yourself i'm telling you this was one of the best horror movies and it plays on those tropes and things of that nature and not only that it's kind of one of those dark humor type movies and it it, it i thought it was pretty good it's hilarious i it's funny it's you know it's got the blood and the gore and the horror and everything else you could ask for from a good scary movie so um I'm not saying it's scary, but I'm telling you, go check it out and you'll see for yourself. It follows, of course, Tucker and Dale uh, heading up to the to the mountains to uh, fix fix up one of their uh, mountain homes. One of them, either Tucker or Dale, just actually bought a mountain home in the movie and they're going up there to kind of fix it up, fix her up a place. I'm not going to get into any more than that without because I can't be without spoiling the movie. So, uh, it was uh, directed by Eli Craig, and it stars Tyler Labine, Alan Tudyk, uh, Katrina Bowden, Jesse Moss, and Chelan Simmons? Chelan? Chelan? I'm, I apologize if I'm screwing up anybody's names. However, but just go check it out. I don't want to, like I said, if I talk too much about it, I'll give the whole plot away. But you, it's this is a good time. This is a good time. This is one of those popcorn flying away, uh, flying everywhere off your lap and stuff like that. So I'm definitely, this is definitely one of my favorites. And also Alan Tudyk, if you don't know who he is, he's played in some Transformers movies. He was in, he was played uh, uh, Pete the Pirate. Is it Pete the Pirate in uh, Dodgeball? Yeah. He plays, he's a really good actor and he does you know he does he's not pulling any punches when he plays a, a part a plays a role and he does a really good job in this movie as well as the other gentlemen as well go check this out so it being spooky season whatever you guys like to do to get into the mood decorate uh go visit you know, pick some apples tell some ghost stories build a bonfire roast some s'mores whatever you got to do to get in the mood go do that you guys have i hope you guys have an awesome halloween i hope you guys have an awesome october and i'll be back and um hopefully next week i'll be able to give you guys some more uh halloween movie recommendations i think i'm gonna do that for the rest of october just to kind of show you guys like things that i like um and to maybe recommend some movies that you guys maybe have never seen so anyway with Without further ado, we're going to get right on into it. Oh, one last thing. I just want to say thank you to all my listeners out there. I love you guys so much. Um, I can't believe um, where the podcast is actually reaching right now. And it, it just it blows my mind. And I'm really thankful for that. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you guys that actually take the time to listen to the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, you know, find me on Facebook. Find me on uh, Instagram just get go on anchor.fm 
the Southern Inspector podcast, and you can actually leave me a voicemail message. I would love to hear from some of you guys. If you like what you're hearing, leave me a message on there. That would be awesome. Find me on Facebook at uh, forward slash the Southern Inspector podcast. Uh, find me on Instagram at the Southern Inspector. Go check me out. I really, I really would like to hear back from you guys. Tell me a bit about y'all. If you have a story to share, I'd love to share it on the show. So anyway, without further ado and enough of my rambling, let's get on into it. Now, it's time to pull up a chair, settle in, and cozy up for the Southern Spectre Podcast. Enjoy. Our first story takes place in western North Carolina. Once upon a time, our hero of the story, Jack, was having a bit of bad luck and was looking for work so he wouldn't starve to death. Jack didn't like to work, but he figured he'd be better off working than starving. Jack made his way into the nearby village until he came to an old mill where the local miller was standing just outside. Jack asked the miller if he had any work needing to be done. The miller replied, Well, as a matter of factly, I do. I need someone here to tend to the mill and grind all this corn for me. You work for me, and I'll let you stay here in the mill, and you won't go hungry, although I must warn you. Seems to be a haunting happening around the mill here, and ain't nobody that's worked for me been able to keep themselves alive past the first night. Jack took a good, long, hard look at the mill and saw that this could make a warm and dry place to live. So he told the miller, I ain't scared of no haunts. Ain't no haunt worse than being dead and hungry. The miller handed Jack the keys to the mill, and before long, Jack was off to work. A short time later, an old-timer with a long gray beard come traveling down the road with a bag full of corn on his back. Well, hello there, Jack, said the old man. I don't believe I know you, mister, said Jack. No, you wouldn't know me, Jack. I'm a stranger, the old man replied. Well, then how is it you know my name? Asked Jack. I knew who you was when I first saw you. Mind grinding this here corn for me? Asked the old man. Jack took the bag of corn from the old-timer and proceeded to grind every bit. He soon gave the old-timer a big bag of cornmeal and sent him on his way. Well, the old man was so impressed with Jack's kindness and willingness to help, he gave Jack a present, a sturdy, sharp knife made of complete silver. It cuts real fine, the old man told Jack. Jack thanked the old man, so the old man was soon on his way back down the road. Jack took the time before nightfall to fix the mill up and make it seem more like a home. Before long, the miller returned with Jack's supper and then made his way back home. Soon Jack built himself a fire, sat down beside it to enjoy his meal. Not long after beginning his meal, Jack noticed a big black cat walk into the room. Jack paid no mind. Soon in walked another big black cat, and another, and another, so on and so on. Each black cat that entered was bigger and blacker than the one before it. Soon the room was filled with big black cats all sitting around and staring 
at Jack. Well, this didn't bother Jack none, and he went right on eating his supper. Then the biggest, blackest cat of all walked in and walked up to Jack, staring him right in the face. The cat looked at Jack and gave him a once-over, and then the cat spoke, sop doll, sop, and the cat stuck its paw into Jack's supper and began eating it off the end of its own paw. Jack warned the cat, Do it again, and I'll cut that doll right off of you. But the cat paid no mind to Jack. Once again, the cat eyed Jack up and down and spoke once more. Sop, doll, sop. And the cat stuck its paw in Jack's supper just like before. Jack pulled out a silver knife and sliced the paw right off of the cat. The cat let out a god-awful howl the other cats joined in. Then they all scattered. Jack made his way across the room and picked up the cat's paw. But it wasn't a paw at all. It was a woman's hand with a ring on the finger. Jack wrapped the hand in some old cloth and kept it to show the miller. When morning finally arrived, the miller made his way down to the mill, just knowing he'd find another dead worker in the mill. But instead, he found Jack sprawled across the floor, sound asleep. Jack soon told the miller what happened the night before, and he pulled out the hand and showed it to the miller. Immediately, the miller told Jack, Come with me now! And the miller led Jack back to his home. When the pair arrived at the miller's home, they made their way to the miller's bedroom to find the miller's wife lying in bed, moaning and groaning as if in pain. I ain't getting up. I don't feel so good, she groaned. Show me your hand, the miller demanded, and his wife showed him her right hand. The other hand, the miller said. She refused to show it to him, so he yanked the covers right off of her, and just as he had suspected, there was a bloody stump where her left hand should be. Before long, eleven women from about the area were standing in the miller's home. Jack and the miller rushed out of the home, barring the door behind them. They set the home on fire and watched as it burned. The miller soon explained to Jack that his wife had recently fell into a band of witches and they were the ones responsible for all the deaths. Jack stayed with the miller for some time after that until the miller found himself another wife who wasn't, of course, a witch. Jack made a decent living with the miller, but soon he was done with milling and set off in search of a different job. This story is part of a group of folk tales known as the Jack Tales and were once common in the Appalachian Mountains. All these stories focus on a fella named Jack. These stories originated in Europe and soon made their way to America. This is the very same Jack who is best known for his tale with a magical beanstalk. These stories were first recorded in America by Isabel Gordon Carter, who heard them from Mrs. Jane Gentry in Hot Springs, North Carolina, sometime during the 1920s. Now, if you've ever wanted to go hiking through the mountains and rivers surrounding Asheville, North Carolina, 
then maybe you'll have a change of heart after hearing this story. As the Appalachian Trail became busy and more populated with those seeking to leave the city lights behind, it soon became harder and harder to get out alone in the wilderness. Those who sought solitude in the wild soon realized they had to travel farther and farther off the beaten path. One such hiker decided to leave the city on his own and follow a nearby river. Starting out from Asheville, this river would, of course, be the French Broad River. The hiker packed light and enough food for a few days. He set out along the river and enjoyed the peaceful surroundings. On his first night, he set up camp and settled down for some good rest. That night, he found himself to be haunted by odd dreams of a gorgeous, dark-haired woman with dark eyes. He dreamed of her most of the night, and it was in his dream that it seemed the closer he got to her, the further she was away. Just before dawn broke the following morning, he was awakened by what sounded like singing. He crawled out of his tent, looked around, and just as quick as the singing arrived, it was gone. The hiker eats a good breakfast, packs up his things, and begins to make his way further along the river and further from the city. He soon becomes tired and groggy. That evening, he makes his camp once again and lies down, oh so tired from the day's travel. Soon after he begins to doze, those dreams of the dark-haired woman begin again. He again woke to the sound of singing, but when he steps out of the tent, it's close to midnight. A beautiful voice can be heard singing somewhere in the darkness. He's enchanted with the beautiful sound and soon lays his head beside the water's edge and off to sleep he goes. When he wakes up the next morning, he remembers the woman again and her singing. And it seems she was a lot closer this time. The hiker packs up his things and begins hiking once again, walking much, much slower than he did the day before. Soon, he comes to a bend in the river, and a deep pool forms here. He finds himself unwilling to move from the spot, so he pitches camp and waits by the river. The hiker waits outside of his tent as night closes in, and instead of preparing to lay down in his tent, he remains outside, waiting for the voice to be heard. Soon, he begins to hear the singing again, and it's the most beautiful thing he's ever heard. The singing seems to get louder as he stares into the deep pool in front of him. What appears to be a dark shadow in the shape of a woman can be seen in the water below, and it slowly begins to rise up out of the water. It is the dark-haired woman from his dream, and he can't believe it. She's naked, and so much more beautiful than anything he's ever laid his eyes on. She sings as though she is singing to him. He is so entranced by her beauty and her singing that he makes his way into the water and outstretches his arms for her, just only wanting to touch her. Her hands soon wrap around his, but instead of warm, inviting flesh, she feels cold, rough, slimy, scaly even. Before he realizes... 
claws have made their way under his skin, and no matter how hard he struggles, she begins to pull him under. They disappear beneath the surface, and he becomes another victim to the siren of the French Broad River. Somewhere in the Pisgah Forest, in Burke County, stands Brown Mountain, and it hosts a most mystifying mystery. With perfect conditions, eyewitnesses have claimed to see strange, glowing orbs that seem to rise up from the mountain. The orbs of light are said to rise to around 15 feet or so and remain suspended there until they finally vanish. Locals and eyewitnesses claim the phenomenon is 100% real and have the photographs to back it up. However, what the phenomenon truly is, is still a mystery. The lights have been around for centuries, and several legends surround the occurrences. Local Cherokee tribes knew about the lights, and some say they believe the lights are that of the souls of Cherokee women searching for their men who perished in a most gruesome battle between the Cherokee and the Catawba right here on the mountain. In the 1950s, Scott Wiseman and Myrtle Eleanor Cooper, who were from the region and better known as Lulu Bell and Scotty, recorded the song Brown Mountain Light. The song tells the tale of a man along with his slave who became lost while hunting on the mountain. The man was never found, and legend says that the slave returns every night to Brown Mountain to search for him, and the light is his lantern. Science has offered up many possible explanations as to why the lights occur. From swamp gas to reflections of the headlights from the cars traveling the valley below, but so far, they've all been disproven. The lights were witnessed before cars came along, and no swamp exists on Brown Mountain. Whatever their cause, people still venture to Brown Mountain in hopes of seeing firsthand the Brown Mountain lights. Your best chance lies on clear, dry nights in October and November, after the leaves have fallen. Eagle Nest Mountain near Waynesville, North Carolina was once home to the Eagle Nest Hotel. Built in 1900 by Mr. S.C. Satterthwaite, guests soon started hearing stories of a weird creature living about the area. Standing close to eight feet tall and covered with gray shaggy hair except for its human-like face, the creature went by the name Boojum. Being mostly animal, Boojum still had two very distinct human-like habits. First, Boojum was in love with jewels and gems that he could find throughout the area, and he would hoard those precious stones in caves that only he knew about. The second habit Boojum had was he loved to look at pretty women. Now more often than not, back in those days, women would have to make their way to a nearby lake stream, or creek to go wash themselves. Boojum would often find these women bathing in the water and peer at them from behind a nearby bush big enough to hide his huge frame. 
Boojum would soon make a rustle in the bush, and then, before you know it, the ladies would look up, only to find Boojum staring back at them, and, of course, they would take off screaming. Well, one day, Boojum happened upon a woman by the name of Annie taking a bath at one of these streams, and when Annie looked up to find Boojum sitting there from behind the bush, she could see the sadness in his human-like eyes. Annie realized that Boojum was no different than any other lost soul. She took pity on him, and the two became friends. The pair soon were in love and went everywhere together. Annie moved from her home with her folks, and she went off into the mountains with Boojum to be his wife. Now, although he loved Annie dearly, he couldn't bring himself to stop searching for his precious jewels, gems, and rubies. Annie would be left home alone, all by her lonesome, and once she had grown tired of this, she went off in search of Boojum. Eventually, Annie developed a bit of a holler, or call, that she would use to help track down Boojum. Boojum would hear the call and respond with his own. They would continue hollering until they soon met each other. These hoops and hollers could be heard by the guests up at the Eagle Nest Hotel. And according to folklorist John Paris, Annie's howl-like holler was inspiration for the term Annie," which means any kind of party or get-together. Some locals believe Boojum and Annie may have had children together, due to the fact that even still today, shaggy creatures have been spotted near the woods close to where the Eagle Nest Hotel used to stand. Linville, North Carolina sits in the shadow of the massive Grandfather Mountain, which derives its name from the shape of the mountain itself. Grandfather Mountain appears to resemble an old bearded gentleman lying down in sleep. Grandfather Mountain is a highly sought-after attraction for locals and tourists alike. Due to the many outdoor activities and breathtaking views it has to offer, Hiking is one of the top activities that draws crowds to the mountain. Grandfather Mountain offers miles of trails to be explored and loaded with many classifications and species of flora and fauna. It's here, among these trails, that hikers have claimed to have had an encounter with the ghost of a lost hiker. He's described as an elderly gentleman with a beard, rugged in appearance, dressed in disheveled work clothes and often seen with an old army rucksack and walking stick. Never acknowledging any fellow hikers he encounters, he simply appears, usually close to sundown, out walking people behind him and mysteriously just vanishes as if into thin air. No one knows who he is. Some say he was an elderly gentleman who became lost in the woods surrounding the mountain. He sustained an injury and was unable to hike his way out. Others say he's the spirit of a man who was just so in love with Grandfather Mountain, he just decided to remain here after death. It seems he's completely harmless and wants little to do with the general public. He's just there to enjoy the majesty of the mountain.
now we turn towards a much more terrifying phantom that hails from the small mountain town of Vale Crucis. The name Vale Crucis is Latin for Valley of the Cross and is so called because of the two streams that meet at right angles in the middle of the valley. If you follow Highway 194 just to the edge of town, you'll come to an old stone church. It is here where the little town loses its quaintness and a darker door is opened. Many years ago on a clear moonlit night, two men were driving down this road sometime close to midnight. As they turned a corner passing along the old stone church, the pair saw a dark shadow figure jump from behind one of the tombstones and out into the road before them. The driver swerved to avoid the shadow-like thing and stomped the brakes, pulling off on the shoulder of the road. Looking back to see what the creature could be, it appeared to be a dog. This wasn't your run-of-the-mill family pet, however. This thing was massive. Standing as tall as a man, and its hide the color of blackest night, bearing its yellow teeth and glowing red eyes the likes of hellfire. One man turned to his friend and queried, Do you see that? Nope, and neither do you, his friend replied. The hulking beast began to make its way toward their car. The driver floored the gas pedal, and down the road they sped, taking the mountain roads in harsh turns close to a hair-raising 80 miles an hour. The driver peered in the rear view, and his blood ran cold. The dog had given chase, and was very close behind them, and gaining ground fast. In a panic, the driver stomped the accelerator, searching for any speed left, and just when the beast was about to lurch for their car, the vehicle sprang to life and jumped across the bridge where the two streams formed their cross, and it was there that the dog came to a halt. Whatever supernatural barrier kept the beast from crossing the bridge, they were both very grateful. They continued their journey into the town of Boone, where they found a waffle house and sat drinking coffee, knowing that neither of them would sleep for quite a while. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to today's show. I hope each and every one of you enjoys your spooky season. Kick it off right. Go check something out. Sit down with the family. Watch a good scary movie. Eat some popcorn. Make some kettle corn. Bob for apples. Whatever gets you in the holiday spirit, go out and accomplish that today. Don't forget to follow the Southern Specter on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the southern specter podcast follow us on instagram at the southern specter so join me here next time who knows what we just may get into and remember don't let the moo hag get you ha <laughs>